Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning. Yeah, there we go. Good morning. Yes, let's go. What up? It's a good time. Spring is here. Easter's coming. Man, I knew this little kid. He's five foot six. Easter Sunday, 2002, he stayed up all night at a party, heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and now he's got a microphone. I'm telling you, it's a good time. God wants to do good things in people's lives in this season. You know why? God knows what the calendar is in America right here, right now. He knows the order of it, and he is not confused, but he is intimately, divinely assigning the season because he knows more of his kids are going to hear the good news of how they can come back home. What would it look like if we got so engaged and so excited to empower that, to commission the Great Commission this morning? I get to do announcements. I got a couple announcements coming up, which is after service, we have the Dreamcast. Living the dream together, casting vision of what the heart and soul looks like behind the scenes for City Life. We have Easter coming up, going to a second service. A second service simply means that it allows us to serve more people, for us to celebrate together, a 9.30 and 11. And we'll be trying that for the spring schedule. And you are going to get to hear behind the scenes of how we can all come together collectively today at 2 p.m. at Urban Beat in Old Town. If you're familiar with Old Town, uh, Urban Beat is on the west side of Turner. And the parking lot you would want to use is at the end of Turner, where it dead ends, or you could say where it begins, which is a parking lot right on the south side. It's a big parking lot. You can park there. And we have child care. If you don't want your niños yelling, going crazy during the Dreamcast, we have child care. You can get that information at one of two spots. Right there when you get your kids for checkout. And by the way, you see that door? If you don't have kids, that door is not your door. Your door is over here. And so that door is uh, anyone without kid repellent. You walk in there, you disintegrate if you don't have a kid or a sticker. Because we love kids, we want to protect kids, and that door is, uh, one, we didn't build this place, and so we can't accommodate everything. Yeah, booyah. And uh, this will make sense in a little bit. And so... We can't accommodate exactly the space of how we would lay it out, but that's okay because we would rather just show up in this particular season, be portable on purpose, and show up right in the midst of something. And so that wing, though, is the kid's wing. And so that door is, again, repellent to anybody without a sticker. Now, this door is invited to everybody. That is a you-belong-here door. It's a you-belong-here, like Willy Wonka door that you got to get down and small. But this door, you can actually find out information all as well out there in the Connect Center, too. So if it's your first time here, we got a gift for you. If you want to learn more what it's like to be rooted in Christ, we have material out there for you. Some people have came so long and we're still battling with some of just the basics. You know what I love about sports? One of the things I love is the best athletes go back to the basics often. The best Christians find themselves just right at the feet of Jesus, letting the basics just work them over. That's what Get Rooted is. Sometimes we just fundamentally need to just hear the simplicity of how great it means that it is finished. Tetelestai. It is finished. And what does that mean for us as believers? So you can get that right out there in the hallway. And then we have Easter coming up and we are sending out a mailer into 40,000 homes. We'll talk more about the goal today at the end of service of financially, how we can be involved with that, how we can create a life-giving experience for many people. And so this is going to hit 40,000 homes in this region, uh, right? Basically, we just took this spot and went out from here. And some of you may have even remembered getting the first mailer. And so lives were changed from getting the mailer. There's families that came last Easter that now their lives are transformed just from showing up. And so don't discount or discredit the impact that you could have by simply inviting somebody. I was sitting with somebody yesterday. They said, I remember you were kind of weird. You gave me this card. You wrote your email on it and I kept it for a couple months and it just kept reminding me that I should be there. Kept reminding me. I even think I kept the card. This thing is so cool. I was checking out at Rite Aid yesterday and I had a... um, Actually, there's like no more Rite Aids. I think Rite Aid, but I mean Walgreens, all right? So I want to give Walgreens the due respect. It's due. Walgreens, all right? I'm at Walgreens, not Rite Aid. Rite Aid is old school. Walgreens has taken over. They even have organic popcorn, I saw. Organic olive oil popcorn popped. Game changer. Thank you, Raph. Thank you. It is a game changer. 
Anyways, where I was, I guess I'm talking to this lady. And I said, I would love for you to come to City Life sometimes. She said, What's City Life? I said, it's a church. And I get to be involved in it. And she's like, really? I would love to come. I've been thinking about that. And just by talking to her, she's considering coming and writes down, you know, the information. Just by talking to her. I think sometimes God's wanting to use us in ways and we just won't just talk to somebody. We, we build it up to be something it's not. It's kind of like when you get a phone call and you see someone's name there. Oh, what, what are they going to think? When you just pick up the phone, it feels so much better. Pick up the phone. Why didn't I just do that quicker? Oh, maybe they could text me. I don't want to check my phone right now. Just pick up the phone. Let people interact with you. Great things will happen. So that's Easter. That's what Easter is all about is people. Um, let's get started. Today we're going to talk about something that is so deeply connected to the strings of your heart. And it is robbing so much of our attention and our affections of Christ that we aren't even aware of the impact it has from us because we are in the most developed society that's ever existed in the history of mankind. Sometimes you can hear that stat of we're the richest people on the planet and we can say, oh, well, I don't feel the richest. But I think it's very important from a historical perspective to think about all of the people that have been here since the very beginning with Adam till now and to think about us as a society in the Western side of the world, in America, what that impact looks like. You guys, we got lavish, abundant resources. We do. Even the, the most struggling tears in this country can't rival some of the things that people are battling in third world countries. And so I think today what's going to happen is we're going to get recalibrated in a way that doesn't feel exhausting, but feels life-giving. We're going to start looking at resources differently of what it could mean to empower and commission the Great Commission, to get our heartstrings tied to how heaven sees an agenda, how he sees currency, and what his, his desire to see kids come back home and how we can be a part of that. How we think about my posture in Christ and what I think about when I think about me praying and resting, working. But what do I think about when I think of the cheddar, the moolah? Cash rules everything around me. Cream. Check this video out. That's real, yo. I ain't exaggerating at all, man. The more money you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is just something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff say. Come on, somebody knows this one. The baseline every bass player ever learned. This morning we are talking about one of the taboo things in church, money. This is like a big time first at City Life. Big time first because we recognize money is not the great issue. Money is simply a tool. It has no power in itself. There's only one great issue, which is Mankind's condition in light of God's position, which is that he's holy and perfect and that sin separates us and that is the great divide. And that through Jesus, we can be reconciled. If you can read my shirt, it means, it says tetelestai, which means it is finished. And so I want you to know this introduction begins and it ends and it's filled and it's saturated and it's woven all the way through it. It is finished for your life. You can't add or take away from the finished work in Christ. Do you feel that today? Do you feel love that you're a king's kid? Do you feel that you are so found that God sees you and he smiles because you put your faith in his son, Jesus? Life beats us up. Sometimes we find ourselves holding our head down a little bit and God is just looking to say, come here. He loves spending time with us. And so would you look up today? And recognize when Jesus said the words, it is finished. When he said, tetelestai, it is finished. What that means is all of the negative effect, all of the issues that sin brought has now been undone, unraveled. And we can be connected to the Father intimately that we can cry the same words that Jesus uttered, which is Abba. Abba. Some people in prayer circles will say, Daddy, I love you. And if you don't get it, you're like, wow, that is super strange. You're calling God Daddy extra weird. I'm here. It's fine. I'm talking this right now. Daddy. 
But when you start to learn more about it, you start to think, wow, I can approach him and say, daddy. I love when my kids call me daddy because it's not just dad, it's not father, it's daddy. It's an intimate expression. So listen to Judah Smith talk this week and it was an older sermon. He was saying, could you imagine saying, Judah, I am the one loved by God in front of everybody? When we hear about John the beloved, he's loved by God. He says, I am loved by God. Hi, I'm John, loved by God. That would be weird. Hi, I'm Jerome, loved by God. Okay, mommy, uh, let's, uh, let's go. Uh, uh, you know, you get your kids. Uh, come here, come here. We got to go. Loved by God? Maybe you should try that exercise. Insert your name. Loved by God. Do you feel that? So before we even talk about how do you deal with the three T's, which is time, talent, and treasure, you have to get that you are so fixed and so secure into the taproot of life, which is Jesus Christ. It is finished. And then with that, I think there's a quote by Martin Luther that really starts to paint a picture of where we want to go this morning, which is there are three conversions of a person needs to experience. The conversion of the head, conversion of the heart, but conversion of the pocketbook, the string theory. The question this morning is when we take this angle often is what does God want me to do with my money? Does God want me to give How does he want me to respond? Does God want me to serve? And we're always starting from our angle in how we look and reflect in light of who he is. But wait a second. If we look at who he is, we look at the equation from a different perspective. No matter how you look at this, we're going to get really compelled. But I want us to look at it as this. Is God a giver? That's the greatest place to start and begin. Is God a giver? Not do I give, but is God a giver? God is not only a giver, he gives his most prized possession. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, all people believe in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's a giver. That inspires me today, that God gave his very best for me, that he understands this way better than any type of financial class that God gives his most precious, intimate resource to me, which wasn't even a commodity. It was a person, his son. Wow. So does God care about your suffering and your pain? Yeah, he cares deeply. We know that because he allowed his son to suffer and endure pain, to take on our shame that now we don't have to hide anymore that we can be set free. That's exciting, you guys. Jesus Christ has set us free this morning. Matthew chapter six. This is the chapter that I referenced that has my password in it. This chapter is great for almost every counseling session we've ever sat in. Most counseling sessions are, I'm dealing with some sin issue. So you have, most of the time it's a sexual issue. Or then you have, I'm dealing with some type of trust issue to God would provide and show me a direction. And Jesus breaks it down like this in verse 24. That no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so we have to recognize today that money can never be our master, but we have to stop and look at our lives and say, is money sometimes my master? You can use something, but then you realize you're being used by it. You find that you're tied up into, and your heart is so connected, the strings are attached too often to money and not to God. So this is a string theory kind of conversation. It's money, there's strings attached. Dollars have motives. They have intentions. They have qualities and expressions. They're vibrant even. They show our deepest affections. If we look at our wallet, we find out our bank's balance statement shows us what we love most. And sometimes I need to be calibrated because I'm like, I do not love eating out that much. You are rebuked in the name of Jesus. I don't love coffee that much. I love people more. But if I'm not honest with myself sometimes, then I have to get a good, healthy dose of a checkup. How am I doing? 
The scale don't lie. You can convince yourself, yeah, I've, you know, it's, it's switched to muscle mass. I've lost a couple, the, the scale doesn't lie. Confronted with that truth, it doesn't lie. We are all confronted with the truth. Now, there's some misconceptions to money that I'm going to get to. There's some elephants that we have to address when we think about the church. But the first is we have to first understand there's a warning to money. And we have just, just, uh, just destroyed this verse. We've wrecked it. We've said, the, you know, that money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. Money is a powerful tool and a powerful blessing. In fact, I found that people that have money, they think about money a lot differently than those that don't. And growing up in a household, we didn't always have tons of money. What I realized is when I get around people that had money, sometimes you find out maybe you got jealous, you wanted those things. And as I got recalibrated in Jesus, I was so set free. It didn't matter what position people had because I recognize now that they are accountable to God for that. And he knows what he's doing. We're all on the same team. So you sit in this place, you might have tons of resources. You sit in this place, you might have no resources, but I, I, I know God's going to do something. He's going to show you how he views resources this morning. And he wants us to understand. He talks about money a lot. We wanted to get into heaven. He talks about heaven. We, we want to recognize that hell has a very severe reality. We, we, we're like, oh, okay, you talk about that. We want prayer. We want help. But we don't want to deal with money. But Jesus says, hey, watch out. You can't serve them both because it's tied to your heart. In 1 Timothy 6, it says, for the love of money, our affections, is a root to all kinds of evil. It is through this craving. Why do we work? Are you craving money this morning? Are you craving money? Man, forget money. Who do you work for? You work for Jesus. And what did Jesus say? It is finished. And what did he say? That you are loved. What more do you need? What more do you need? That's why you find as you study church history, Christians were so content that possessions didn't rule them, but that they would use possessions for great kingdom impact because they recognized behind a hearse is never a U-Haul because you can't take your possessions with you. And they recognized the origin of the possessions, which was given to them by God. So through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. Is there anything scarier than that? That money could cause somebody to fall away from Jesus Christ. Business ideas lead people to the most courageous thoughts quicker than any other thing. You could tell somebody that we're going to go preach the gospel to a village and, and there's an 80% response rate and will you come? I don't know if I can get enough money for it. Oh, but hey, by the way, we can come to this meeting and we can get a business opportunity and you will be able to have a vacation home and it'll be great. Oh man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to spend $350. i am in. I'm going because I'm going to justify why money is now dictating my decisions and driving where I'm going to go. And you know what we do? We literally stamp it with the approval of heaven. We, we say, this is God's will. This is God's will. God has blessed me with this house. Look, you know who owns your house? The bank. God's blessed me with this car. You know who owns the car? The bank. Unless you own it. And it's okay. God's not confused. What he's saying is, look, Babylon, this isn't our home. Egypt isn't our home. We are not dictated by the world system anymore. We've been set free. We have a kingdom that is way above money. I wish this would get deposited in our hearts today. And I think if it got deposited in our hearts, what would happen? I think we'd look at money differently. God would start to flow money through us because he'd recognize we're not like this. God, please, 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 please. And then once we get it, it stays right here. <laughs> yeah, thank you, bye. <laughs> right? Thank you, thank you. Ooh, got you, see you. It's like the kid, you know, I remember asking my parents for about 20 bucks. Got 20 bucks. All right, bye. You know, uh, before the $20 conversation, oh, hey, mom, you know, got this going on. It's so great. Um, yeah, we're going to go hang out with the friends. How's everything going? Things are great. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. Yeah. So, hey, what do you want, Jerome? Uh, maybe like 30 bucks. I don't know. We're going to go out to hang out. Okay. How about 20? Okay, fine. See, boom, I'm gone. <laughs> right? Anybody else? No, not you. You holy person, you because I was so excited about the adventure that we would sometimes manipulate even how we would receive the money. We've even justified on how we make money. 
And I empathize for those that have struggled and that life has only dealt you a hand. There might even be people in this room that the only way you know how to make money is illegally. Man, God sees you. He loves you. He gets it. And he's going to bring Jubilee one day. He's going to hit the reset button. But God has a better plan. He's trying to set us free. And there's no condemnation in this place. What there is is radical love. And the Holy Spirit is here to adjust us and to compel us, not to force us, but to inspire us so that we would not wander from the faith and we would not be pierced themselves with many pangs, or in other words, grieves. And as we go back to Matthew chapter six, we see in a few verses just before this, Jesus gives us a game plan a game plan, and he helps us understand how we spend our money. Really, money is more like a worker. What do we tell them to do? I tell you to pay this, that you're working for me. You're working on behalf of me. And who are we working on behalf of? We're working on behalf of God. And what is our return we're looking for? And there is monetary returns, as there should be. There's great kingship. And if you have a king's heart in this room, I pray today that you're able to think of more kingship under the great king. But I pray for today that those that are looking to try to somehow find deliverance in this world through resources, it's not going to happen. But if you start to use resources in a way that reflects this passage, your life will be so alive. You'll be so never disappointed. And you will not find yourself at your last days with regret but excitement of what you will find out of what's next, of how the great rewarder will reward those of all that have invested in the kingdom of God for lives for eternity. He is a great rewarder of those who seek him, those who give, those who love, those who serve. How that all plays out, I don't know. We're not doing it for the reward, but I trust the one that everything we do in his name, he has a greater return than anything we'll see with zeros. Let your faith get a little bigger in this place. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and will destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I remember in the crash, the 401k, people were freaked out. They lost their retirements in a moment. My buddy's parents, he was talking to me, man, their whole life they worked for it and it was gone in 24 hours. Now, that for sure is a grieving moment. We come alongside as the church. We're not like, hey, who cares? Forget about money. No, that's a deep thing, Okay put a lot of time and investment. While other people were squandering and living crazy, they've been disciplined and diligent. And so we should be intimate and love them, but at the same time, encourage them, man, you have a greater reward. It was not in whether we're getting Medicaid, Medicare, returns. All that is great infrastructures in place, but we recognize that this place is not where we want our treasures. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your resources are, where your money is, is where your heart is. Oh, I love my wife. Really? What do you invest in her? It's convicting. How can I invest more in crystal? Oh, you love your kids. How are you investing in them? Providing for them a roof? And what does the roof look like? Is it a place filled with the gospel, good news, songs, love, peace, joy, that type of fragrance that people feel you could smell? That's awesome. God loves that. Or is it just like, be quiet. I provide for you. This is mine. We all grew up in the house. This is my things, my things, mine, mine. That's mine. I earned this. I earned this. I earned this and earned this. And, and for everybody in the room who's like that, probably 90% of us, look, we were all raised one particular way. So we just repeat what we saw. But I pray today that we understand we can never actually use, use the words my. We actually have to use the words, I'm just a steward. I've been given. I was reading R.C. Sproul was talking about stewardship and the essence of stewardship is that God is the owner of everything and that we as stewards, the word picture would be that we are managing a property. And when the owner comes back, he's going to want to know if we managed it well. Are we just going to let the drywall go to shambles? Letting the tenants just go recklessly? Who cares? I don't own the place. Anybody who's ever rented, no, you, you treat it a little differently than when you were started making payments on it yourself. You become prolific at decks and walls and nails and the size of everything as soon as you become a homeowner, 
rental car experience is fun. Once it's your car, the first time you paid for it, you act a little differently. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. Right? You act a little differently. You get oil changes a little differently. You become proficient because now you're thinking about it through the lens that I'm an owner. Think about it through a lens that we are stewards and God is the owner and he's coming back for stuff that's his. It's humbling. It's convicting. But it's awesome because it's the right motivation we need to say, God, okay, you have your way. You do as you please. I was riding around with Jerome this week and little Jerome, Jerome Cyrus that is, and I'm Jerome Edward, he's Jerome Cyrus. So if you've ever wondered if he's a junior, he's not, but you can call him junior, he's completely fine with that. And but Jerome Edward, Jerome Cyrus in the car, I was hoping, I wanted Culver's and I was hoping to entice him with Culver's for my personal benefit to persuade him because he really likes Culver's. And he has such a submissive heart. I was like, hey buddy, you want any food? We were visiting my brother and we're leaving, it's right in Okemos. He's like, no, dad, whatever you want. I'm like, come on, buddy, make a decision, whatever you want. He's like, no, dad, I I just, whatever you want, it really makes me happy when you make a decision, dad. What happens if we reverse that with us and God? It really makes me happy, dad, when you make the decision. It really makes me happy, dad, when you own everything. It really makes me happy, dad, when you say how to live, when you say how to spend my time what to do with these talents you gave me, what to do with these treasures that you've entrusted me with. God, how do you see things? How do you see money? Thank you, God. Now there's a couple elephants just to call out real quick is, so we think about giving, specifically in the context of church experience to fund the Great Commission through his bride, his church he loves intimately and dearly and in missions all across the world and helping people, that, those that are in need and and. I think what we think sometimes is it's kind of like the genie or lotto experience where I'm going to give to God and eventually he's going to pay me back. But if we aren't careful, though he rewards and he will bless and he's dead, he does not give us things that will lead us astray. And so there are certain things that God has withheld from you and he's withheld them because he's a good dad. I know that my kids don't need to drive when they're seven and eight. It's just not happening yet, right? But why, dad, why? Because you're not ready to drive. So God may have been withholding a blessing in your life because he just doesn't want you to have it. And you might not ever be able to have it on this side because it will take your heart and tie it to something that now the tractor's driving you away from God. But I want a tractor so I can mow. We start to justify it. But I want this. I want, I want a bigger house because I'm going to host people. Set everyone and then who hosts? <laughs> like, come on. I mean, sometimes we just got to stop this nonsense. Now, for, for the select minority that do that, praise God. We love you. We can feel it when you're a host. You can feel it. You can also feel it when it is in a glass bubble. <laughs> you can't touch. <laughs> house supposed to be hospitable, which has the same roots of like a hospital, that our homes would be open to people to love our neighbors. This stuff is challenging, especially in a Western mindset. This is challenging to be born in America and think like this. That's why the words, words of Jesus are so life-giving, but they so are so contrast to our daily living. And so a couple elephants is seeds giving. Yes, sow seed. Do it generously. But it's not like the lotto, because if you don't have the right infrastructures in place and the disciplines, that just like people who win the lotto, do you know 70% of people go broke because they say this, when I get money, I'll do this then. When I get to this place, I'll start giving. I can't give now because I can't afford to. Man, I'm so grateful that God didn't say that. He gives because it's just who he is. It's the nature of who he is. It's how he operates. So I am also sorry for all the wrong and all the abuse that you've heard from people that have claimed the name of Christ. For any get wealth, uh, this is you give money to this person and you're gonna get a bunch of money and it's just not how it works. But God does bless. In the same regard, I'm here to tell you, I can testify of stories of how I've given, been prompted by the Holy Spirit and the Lord has returned things almost like tenfold to the number even. But my heart was not, okay, I'm going to give this. I need the tenfold. He just did it because he's a good dad. And my job is to say, whoo, I hear the prompting. I am going to respond because I recognize what you love and you value, God. And so 
the lotto is not giving, right? And so tithing does not earn you a position with God. It doesn't. We are with God because of Christ. And tithing is simply just principles and responses of how God operates. And in fact, we'll see that tithing is like the floor. We see in the Old Testament, there's three different types of tithes. We see a tithe meaning a tenth, okay? So when you get money in, it's basic math. What would be one-tenth of that? We're always trying to teach our kids that from the get-go, from the jump, that you got money, how do you be generous right out the gate? Because we want to reflect that God is generous, it's his. And so the first thing's first, God, we want to be like you, we want to give, and we don't want this to own us, be tied to our hearts. God, this cannot be our strings. We want to do what you want us to do, and we don't want to justify how do we manipulate that. In fact, I'd rather cut expenses before I stop being like you with this area that could lead me astray from you. This is deep. I don't want money to rule me. I don't want money to rule us. And beautiful thing is there's repentance. So there's three different types of tithe. There was a Levitical tithe, which would be 10% to bring into the temple for those that were preaching and actually for those who were ministering on behalf of God. Wow, this is very important. And then there would be a, a tithe of feast, like the feast tithe, where we would save money almost for like a Christmas experience where Let's say we're getting ready for a big feast. We have a tithe for that. And then there was a tithe for the poor because God recognizes that some have been beat down. And it's our responsibility to help them. And so it was never just actually 10%. It'd probably be more accurate. It was like 23%. And so if we're just doing math, God's not just interested in percent. He's interested in the heart posture and he's interested in radical generosity because in the New Testament, here's what you see when people start following Jesus. They said, possessions don't own us. We're gonna just lay it all down. Because of what we value. Because of what we value. Right here, I got, uh, I got something so cool. I got, I got $5. $5. I got $5 for anybody who wants this $5. I got $5 right here. $5 right here. Right there. $5. $5. No one wants that? Dude, you're already up. You want to come get it. $5. Somebody? Okay. All right, silly. There's no, there's no string attached to it, is there? And what about this one? So I got $5 there. And I got $100 here. You can have it. Somebody just come get it. You can have it. There's a little string attached to it. I'm serious. First person who calls my bluff, you might as well come. I'm serious. Who's going to come get the 100 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Now, now, real quick, stand with me. There we go. You take the five. Okay, see how far you can go. Josh, we're real close. Thank you. Let's see how far you can get, right? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Why? Because I don't really care about the five. But here's the thing. I wanted this closer to me because I do care about the hundo, right? No, no, no. Here, it's 100, 100 is yours. You're going to do whatever you do. God does for you today. And check this out. Really close. Why? Because money, as it gets bigger, it's really close to my heart. Really close to my heart. And the response, I know this because I've done this without strings. I know that everyone was thinking about getting up there when it got 100 more than you were five. Come on. I know you were. Because your response was dictated on the value or the amount. Our response is dictated on the value or the amount. What is our response on how we view Jesus Christ? Possessions would seem so small in light of who he is. Who cares? In fact, I want to steward it in a way that reflects him. I want to save because I want to do great things with my family in him. I want to do things with the family of Christ. And so there what happens is now I start to say, hey, God, I want to tie my money to your great commission and just have it be connected to heaven. That's what happens. I'm telling you, it's so awesome. When we quit the strings in this planet, but we only recognize, and here's how it happened. Where'd the string come from? It got dropped down, top down. You know where your money comes from? God. Yes, you work hard. Who gave you the ability to work hard? God. Who created the work system? God. Who created all resources and all economic systems and positions? God. God. 
As R.C. Sproul says it, if you look into the Greek, that money um, and stewardship is tied to economy and economic development going all the way back to Genesis. And so Genesis, when he tells us to rule and take dominion, is that we are over this and we're going to use it for what? To be fruitful and to multiply so that we can see lives change for all the gospel, that this resource would reflect of who he is to a world that's so looking at us being saying, man, how do you guys spend your money? Because we see that money's trying to take us down and we want to be over this nonsense that God would be over our money. Hey, check this video out. It's Bizzle, who gets it oh so well. God over money pretty much means that you put God first. Like the world says money over everything. So we put God over that. Um, and that you can't be bought. There's no price on you. There's nothing that the world or the devil can offer you that'll make you turn on the Lord. Luke 11. Jesus says to some Pharisees, he says, woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue in every herb and neglect justice and love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for the love, the best seats in the synagogues and greeting in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves for people walk over them without knowing it. You know what Jesus is saying? He says, I could care less about your outside game. I care about the inside of why you do it. And he says, of course, it's profitable to still tithe. In fact, that would be the floor. You see, Jesus shows us exactly what it looks like. He knows how to manage money. He's going from city to city. He's got people with him that are managing money. He gets it. He recognizes that lights need to be paid for. He's recognizing that in our context today, that there's staff that can serve the body of Christ. He's recognizing that we put too high of a value on doctors and not spiritual doctors. We put too high of a value on hangout in the restaurants because he was not trying to hold us down. And this is how we see God too often. God's trying to cramp my style. What God's trying to do is lead you to new new style, new life, in life-giving ways so that we will be free, that these things won't own us. And we'll actually let him be the source. So there won't be this string theory going on, this constant nonsense. God's word is inspired. And so as we get this concept of tithing, what we find is in the New Testament, it's, it's just so much higher. It's like radical generosity. People don't have to, they get to. They're excited about it. But to understand it further, you'd go back and look at how they viewed it in the Old Testament, how the Pharisees would view it. Malachi 3, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you children of Jacob are not consumed from the days of your fathers. You have turned aside from my statues and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? And yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, God cares about your possessions. You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, says God. The whole nations of you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, meaning where he would find what his kingdom looks like for people that would understand. As we would understand, this, this would be like the church. And you see that response all throughout Acts, that there may be food in my storehouse and that you may put me to test. And so the whole point that God is trying to do, he's trying to reposition and reuse and repurpose. That's what he's trying to do with money. It's like Etsy. He's taking old wood and he's showing people, hey, you can have a table. Hey, the church, we don't care about money. What they care about is lives changing. People here in Jesus, they care about inner city schools being reached. They care about discipleship material happening. They care about your group. They care about empowering people to meet you when you're in the hospital. They care about retraining us and teaching us what it means to be in Christ. Put a higher view on how God sees things. So he says this, that there may be food in my house and therefore put me to test. Put God to test this morning. Says the Lord of hosts, I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, delights like Eden says the Lord of hosts. You know what Jesus is telling us through his word, all of his word? He's telling us is that I want you to rule and to dominate and to be life-giving. I want you to use your possessions in a way that reflects my character and my order so that I can bless you. Too many of us are living stressed. It's because we're looking for opt-out causes for every part of God. God is like a salad bar. We go to him and we just pick some of the things we like. 
I pray that all of us, every area, we could pick any topic. We just find out what God says about it. And what we find is he has a lot to say about it, but not that earns us position with him, but more that is in response to how much he means to us, the amount, how much he means to us. And you can study this, uh, I had it in my notes, just you can look up John Wesley and his radical generosity and how he lived below his means in evangelists in the 1700s, how he picked what he would live on when he didn't have a lot. And then eventually at the end of his life, he had so much and he just kept giving crazy. He only had like two silver spoons that even the, the tax agents wanted to come in and said, how are you giving this much money? Because there's no way you could do that because you must be hiding. And he's, at the end of his life, just counts countless acts of generosity, loving people. So today, where we close is this, to have a high view of the church like Jesus does, because Jesus wants people to meet him. And in this season, we're getting ready for Easter. We're getting ready for people to experience the fullness of God, to hear the good news in a way that they've never heard before, maybe. People are coming to City Life, and you know what they say? I haven't heard the gospel preached like this because what you're, what's happening is the language is communicated in a way that you actually get. We've deceived ourselves for too long that if I read it in King James, art thou, that I feel better, but how are we, aren't just different than the Pharisees on the outward appearance, we're good, but on the inwardly, if we're actually tested, we don't even know what we're talking about. George Barnes proved this over and over and over again. He would just interview Christians and we would just find ourselves not passing tests. We're in the same position as those that don't even know Jesus because we don't even know what the fullness of God means. And the fullness of God means this. It's the completed, finished in Christ. And then out of that, we do different things. We work on our marriages in light of Him. They're hard. We work on our job in light of Him. It's hard. And we care about people in light of Him, even in places that it's hard but it's worth it. There isn't a neighborhood, there isn't a person that you've looked at that God doesn't care about. And though you may never get across the world, this is the place that you are at right now. And God first starts in the family, the household, and he wants to start right here today. He wants to, I believe, inspire people to be a part of his mission. If you ask, well, how much ministry can you do with a dollar? Well, a dollar's worth. How much ministry can you do with 10,000, $10,000 worth? Now God can multiply it, but I think sometimes we have this just naive perspective that says, well, I don't really need to be involved because somebody else is. Well, if everyone had that mindset, what would we do collectively? And so this is a family conversation. If you've been here and this is your first time ever, you're thinking, what in the world? I can't believe we just talked about money that long. Look, it's been a year and a half. We haven't talked about money this long, but I know this, that money is robbing people's perspectives and it's tied to their heart. And we got to just get the governor off. We got to break the dam and we got to start putting money where it's supposed to be. And we got to start doing it in the order that God wants to, that he's first things first. We submit to him and that we want to fund his great commission and we want to commission the great commission. Period. I want to see God's name great. Before I ever even worked for a church, this is exactly what I believed. Why? Because I love the church because the church is where I found new life. Not the building. I found the good news. I heard the good news. And the cool part was, I didn't find it. God found me. And he uses his church to do that. He uses his church to do that. Today, we're going to get an opportunity to close with giving. And You'll notice that uh, in your envelope, there wasn't a giving envelope today, or in your guide, there wasn't a giving envelope today. Because look, Satan's a liar, and our giving envelopes didn't get here in time. I'm telling you, this stuff is, you can't make this up. He hates Easter. He hates this time. He does not want us to reach our goal. You know what our goal is? $15,000. So one, we can send out a mailer. We can upgrade some stuff for the hallway. We can get ready to meet people. We can do marketing material. And last year, we saw 800 people come and hear the gospel here at City Life. Right now, we average about 313. Last year, we averaged 200, and we had 800 people come. I'm, I don't know what God's going to do, but I know this. Whether it's five extra people or it's 500, I am getting ready and doing what I can. Because I want to see his name great. I want to see him lifted up. So here we're doing instead of envelopes today is you have your connect card. And if you want to give in cash, you can just fold your connect card in half and write your name in there. Uh, you know the drill. If you came every week, we got three different types of ways to give. And if you want to give through credit card, you can write your credit card information on the connect card. It will be the same confidential. You write your number, 
your three-digit code, your expiration date, and you would sign it and just do your name, just like you would any other um, form and write all the information, even your phone number. And so we don't have giving envelopes today, but we still have connect cards. And so connect cards are our giving envelope for this morning. And for most of us, here's where we operate, citylifelancing.com. Or we give, you know, with the, the Mo Give. You can text. Some of you, you weren't prepared to kind of step up your giving this morning. I pray when you go home. And so here would be the ask that you become a consistent contributor to commission the Great Commission. If you love city life, we're getting ready for more people to meet him. For real. So when I, how I see this, I don't see this as um, dollars. I see this as people that can hear the good news. I see this as people in this room that are struggling with money. They just don't know how to get out of it. A great place to start is to let, start letting God in through faith. There's this moment when Jesus saw this widow. She gives everything she had and she's like, wow, look at her. She had the faith. Because others were given out of their abundance, just their, just overflow. She was given out of desperation saying, God, I need you to move. Now, hear loud and clear. Doesn't mean you need to empty your bank account today if you're already in radical debt, okay? There's seasons when you need to get out of debt. When we launched the church, we, um, right now, we took calculated debt individually as a family. We were out of debt. When I came to Christ, I had about $10,000 worth of debt. I didn't know any way better. Took about three, four years to get out of it. I've been walking with Jesus about 15 years now. My wife and I, we went pretty aggressive to get out of debt. We were driving a 96 Nissan Maxima. We didn't have, uh, it didn't have the greatest outward appearance, but it it would rust, but I was in sales. You can't let that that sucker rust. So you gotta like refix it. So we just refixed it at 240,000 miles on it. We would just try to be faithful. And I remember somebody bought us a car. I'm not saying that's how it always happens. What I'm saying is that's what happened. I remember one time getting to re- listen to a church planner speaker in 2005. I was sitting front row. I'd never heard a 25-year-old preach ever. It was the deepest sermon of my life. I said, man, if this guy's on fire like Jesus, we want to do something with it. I've never even really shared this, but I, want, I felt like I was supposed to share this this morning, which was, it was Brad Leach, City Life Philly. That's where we're connected. 2005, I'm all the way back at a church planner school. Chris and I are sitting there and we, and we went home and we said, I don't even know what we need to do. We just want to be invested to this person. We want to give to this person. So we just wrote him a check for 500 bucks, didn't know him. He, he, he responds back. He's like, who are you? Why'd you do this? Uh, whatever. That's cool. Maybe we should have lunch. Today, now later, they're the ones that planted us, that gave 30 grand into us, that connected us with Ark, that gave 50 grand into us. Like that happened. And I don't know how, but it just happened. And I'm telling you, this happened two months ago when we were gone and when Josh and the team came up here and ran, I felt connected where I was like, wow, I need to respond in such a way that it was like a Brad Leach moment. And my family, we wrote a check for 150 bucks and then it was crazy because in the same moment, they felt that they were supposed to write City Life a check for 1,500 that we just got this week. And so I'm not, I'm just saying, just do the math, you guys. Stuff happens, you gotta just let God in. And say, I don't even care if the check would've came. For real, because I've been burning these strings. I don't want these strings. Like Bizzle said, God over money. Forget strings attached. Stuff is nonsense. We want to give because it's like 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. You can pull that up. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his own heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. A life living is a life giving, period. And so today... We are life givers for lives living forever. That's why we do what we do. We want people to live forever. We want them to meet Jesus. And that's so worth it, you guys. So living is giving. So giving team, if you come up front and today, um, if you, look, if you don't feel compelled and inspired to give, please don't. If it's your first time, whatever, and you're just hearing this, uh, if you don't notice a value, um, if this isn't better than when you're at the movies and you see Sour Patch Kids and you just find a way to get them, then, then don't. But if you feel the good news is so worth it and people in the local church and the benefits of Christ and his bride that is here right now, then go all in. And what does all in look like? Man, it looks like consistent for sure. And it looks like sometimes you just go above and beyond as God leads and prompts. 
You might be going above and beyond for missionaries. You might be going above and beyond. I'm not sure. For me, for us, we've always felt that the local church is the hope of the world, the one we're a part of. And then as the local church grows and what that happens is that's what will happen. We have a dream to add staff. We have a dream to get a truck this summer, to go to neighborhoods. We have a dream to just see people engaged and discipled in the context, no matter what age group they come from. Proverbs 22.2, where the rich and poor meet together, the Lord's the maker of them all. We have a dream that the rich and poor would come together and the Lord would be maker of them all. And that we have a dream that those that have a little would still be righteous and they would feel rich in Christ. Those that have a lot would see that I'm submitted to God and I want to be generous in good works because I'm not haughty thinking that I did this. And in fact, that's just part of the body of Christ. You see it? How we're all working together? You see how each one of us play a little differently? I can't play on the piano, but Tina can. So I pray today this is a blessing, not a stressing. And um, that's it. So uh, give her team, yeah, we're here. We're just going to pray and offering and we're going to continue what we're going to do. And then we're going to sing and we're going to go over to the Dreamcast. And I'll close talking about that in a minute. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of what you care about, which is people. And I pray that dollars would always have almost faces to it, that we would see, wow, you're going to do something great. You, you bless, you, you do awesome things. I pray today that we would be inspired um, to be radical givers, consistent givers, that we would see the tithe as just like the floor, no different than how we see working unto the Lord and how we see resting unto the Lord and how we see prayer unto the Lord and we don't a la carte it. God, we let you have complete rule and reign. God, have your way. As we tie our possessions, as we tie our time and our talent and our treasure to the great commission that we would store up our wealth in heaven and that one day we will get to see all the people that came to know you even in Kid City right now there's someone being raised up that's a preacher that will go to a third world country and proclaim your truth right in this place there's somebody being raised up that will go into an inner city and buy a home and be a block pastor there's somebody being raised up that will start a business and will use it for the Great Commission in a way that they are so excited to advance the gospel through the bride. There's people in this room today that will empower jobs and dominate and rule with the Genesis mindset that says, I am here to be fruitful and to multiply. There's people in this room that will start to find financial freedom from being content and living with less so that we will not be ruled that we need things. Some of us that will just get new patterns because we're learning more. For some of us, we're, you know, you just step by step, you're getting out. But that we would be faithful and not grow weary to get out of debt, to make the right moves, to experience the freedom that you have for us. Some of us, we're, we're going to sell our houses and I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that that would happen. And some of us, we're going to add on our houses to invite people over. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that that would happen. And we would do it all to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.